and that was my style. And then I remember one day my friends dared me to dress like a dude to go to the club. Wow. So I was like, all right, like, that's nothing. And so we, me and my, my sister, actually, it's, it's hilarious because my sister's very, very straight, but she used to be on these journeys with me. And so <laughs> I remember me and her, we would put on my brother's clothes at the time. This went tall tees and uh-huh. um, um, Jaboy. What was it called? Whatever. Jabos. Jabos. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so out of it. But yeah, those yeah. were in style. And so I was like dressing up and I went to the club. Even though I went to the, the gay club. I was going to the gay club then. Okay. But the attention that I got from it was like, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, uh-huh. all right. Like, so then for a while, I literally would wear semi-feminine clothes, like more feminine clothes at home. Mm. And then I would wear guy clothes at school. So I was like living a double life. I would change before I would go home. And then I just remember one day, I was like, let me just see what my dad going to say. Hey, y'all. Hey, it's your girl, Cree. Listen, hard and crucial conversations are so important. We tend to see many platforms shy away from discussions just like this. What better way to discuss hard conversations than on our podcast, right? These ladies open their hearts to share a testimony that will glorify God, reach people, and bring hope to not only those within the LGBTQIA community, but anyone struggling with breaking from relationships that do not serve them. Coming out is one thing, but as you will hear, coming out again and surrendering to God is a whole nother level. This conversation got so good, we had to have a part one and a part two. So open your ears, open your hearts to this amazing convo with Melinda and Angelina. Be blessed. Walk in purpose, y'all. Welcome to When Marriage and Purpose Collide, the podcast. So, babe, what is this podcast about? Well, we are passionate about helping Christian singles date with intention and purpose for marriage. It hasn't been that long since we've been in these dating streets. So, yes, our episode will cover relationships, dating with purpose, married life, conflict, communication, love, life, and so much more. So if you've been rocking with us for the first time or since season one, you are in for a time. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to subscribe, follow and share this episode. Also, send a review. Now, on to the episode. All right, y'all, we are back. This is still season three. Yep. Episode two. Can you believe it? We're here. We're in here. I'm fine. But welcome back to When Marriage and, and Purpose, Purpose Collide, the, the podcast. podcast. That's something I got it right. You did. You did. You did. Welcome <laughs> back for another episode. Hey, and we back for another episode. And we back. Hey. And we back. And we back. Oh. We, back. we hey. do it. Hey. All right. Hey, hey, okay. hey, hey. All right, <laughs> uh, we are back for another episode. This is going to be so good. The people that I have here today, man, listen, we about to we are about to have a conversation, and um, I love these two. But before we get into that, um, yeah, no, before before we get into all of this, you know, I love these two, and um, when I've I've known 
I've known one more than the other, but I just feel like the sisterhood, it just came in and it just was like organic. And we just got to know one another on different levels. I'm so happy where they are in their lives. And so what I'm going to do first, I'm just going to go ahead and let them tell us about themselves, what they do, who they are, why they here, all the stuff that matters. So any of y'all start us off, tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> go ahead, G. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Well, um, Cree calls me G, but my oh, name is actually, it, it's it's okay. <laughs> I don't want people to be like, who is that? Right. But I'm Angelina McClinton from uh, Terrell, Texas. And first and foremost, I'm a mother and also an educator. I've been in the field of education for over 10 years now, but I also do a couple things on the side. I'm a writer. I sing a little bit, but um, I also here recently started a organization that will eventually transform into a nonprofit organization for single mothers. And the goal is to support them um, on their journey while they are being single mothers. It's hard out there for a single mother. And so oftentimes single mothers feel as though they don't have a place. They don't have a purpose. And so my goal for them is to, one, identify their purpose uh, through God, because that's how we get it. But also to have a way to feel like they have a community. And by them being single, sometimes we feel like we're alone, like nobody else gets it. And so with Hagar's Village, that's the name of it, uh, they not only get community, but they identify purpose and they start to learn how to uh, move in purpose. So that's so me. And that's so what I do. I love the mission. I love the mission of the organization. Like you don't hear about it much. So I'm so happy that you are starting something. You founded this organization. It's about to pop off. It's about to be amazing. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Mel, go ahead and tell us about yourself. Hey, hey. Uh, so Mel, also Melinda Douglas, uh, with two S's, that is. And um, I am from Raleigh, North Carolina. So a little bit about me. Um, first of all, not a mother. I'm a dog mom and a turtle hey. mom. I have I have two turtles. So I guess that, you got two that turtles? counts. Yeah, what? yeah. I've had them since. I've had one for over 10 years. Yeah, so I love turtles. Turtles. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I do for work, I work in the tech industry. So I work for a computer company and I manage our commercial monitor business for North America. So a little bit of a techie in me, but also I am a dancer. I love to cook. Um, uh -huh. I love anything outdoors, anything adventure, anything active. Um, but then on the side, I'm also a, a Bible study leader a minister, uh, just really someone who loves God, someone who's passionate about his people. And my goal is just really to allow God to lead me in whatever path he has for my life. So I'm happy to be here with you all today. Cree, we can't hear you. All right, now that we've had our guests introduce themselves, y'all know how we do on the podcast. Yes. What's it called, babe? What, what's the segment? 
Something interesting. Something interesting. And I was, it's so many things that we could discuss and talk about. Yeah. That I need to start putting a lineup of things like as I hear throughout the week and just go ahead and put it in my phone because I was struggling with what to discuss today. But today, um, I follow the person on Instagram. Um, their name is the holistic psychologist. And she has some fire posts, like fire posts. She's a like, of course, well, it seems like she's a licensed therapist and she's been doing it for some time now. But um, every time I, I look at her posts, they hit home and I'm like, how does she know me? Like she needs to get out of my brain, out of my head. Why are you, you need to be my therapist. Like she's my social media therapist. I want to call her this. Okay. Anyway, so it's something that she brought up called, um, urgency culture and i was like what you say now what you're talking and so <laughs> i'm gonna read the post and then i must get y'all points and or get what you all think so it says we don't need to get back to people immediately the idea that we should be in constant communication can be toxic in relationships and so there's a whole like you can slide through and read i'm not gonna read all of those but there's one particular post um one particular graphic that she has here and it says urgency Culture and relationships look like expecting someone to get back immediately, feeling like you have to respond to someone immediately, being available 24-7, feeling guilt of anxiety around not responding and making impulsive decisions. So I was thinking, I was like, why is she in my head, though? Like, why does she have to do this? Like, I'm in a space right now to where I'm setting more boundaries around like how I communicate with with folks if they're long-term friends or family or whatever it is and I was the person that did feel the anxiety because I did not get back to people right away like they send a text message girl tell me what you think I'm like oh shoot okay hold on I gotta tell her but I'm doing something I can't do it I gotta figure this out I gotta do this and then it's a thought thing like you really gotta think it through and you're like well should I tell her I'm thinking it through or is it okay if I respond next week? Like, I don't know. And so this freed me because knowing that urgency culture or that it could make a toxic relationship or you, you know, the whole communication back and forth can be toxic. It dealt something with me. And so I'm still dealing with this post. Like I'm, I'm really thinking about it. So give me your thoughts about this. Have you ever heard of urgency culture? And if not, what do y'all think? Well, I have not heard of urgency culture, did not know, you know, what that was until you just said something today. But um, I'm so glad that you're now free because <laughs> I free, <laughs> listen, I freed myself at the end of the, I was in a relationship okay. seven years and in 2021 it ended. But when I tell you the freedom that I felt just because I no longer had to answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, this person felt a way, yeah. like if I didn't pick up the phone, like would throw a temper tantrum, do you hear me? Mm-hmm. And behind the phone, um, texting and constantly. So now my phone goes on, do not disturb. Sometimes I will leave it on there longer than, you know, what it's supposed to be on. I will choose who I want to talk to because some people drain you and they don't even know yeah. they drain you. They ain't talking about nothing. 
And so I have just taken control of my time because I can't get it back. And so I have to decide who's worthy of it. So um, I'm so glad that you are now free, Cree. Yeah. Reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. <laughs> I like it. She nicknamed you Free Cree now. <laughs> oh, get a shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We gonna, they, we'll, we'll think support the oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, you in jail? No. <laughs> Phone jail. There you go. All right. Oh gosh. So yeah, I haven't heard of uh, urgency culture either, but it's funny because that's one of the conditions to be my friend. <laughs> Wait a minute. What? So I tell people when they, they want to, like, when I meet people, you know, they say, oh, let me get your number and all this other stuff. My first thing I tell them, I said, okay, I'm bad at texting. Okay. And then I let them know. And I basically say, if you text me, I might not get back to you till two weeks later. Listen. But um, but I'm a person. I'll show up when I need to show up. But I, yeah, a long time ago, I set boundaries um, to where most times, even when I'm around the house and stuff, I don't know what my phone is. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I got a smartwatch, but even that fails me because it be on do not disturb. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say it's definitely something that a lot of people need to be aware of because when you back to what G was saying, when you always make yourself available, it's like you only have so much that you can give. And, and if you're always giving, you're draining like a battery, you're draining it over time and time and time again. Yeah. Maybe you got anything to say? Add on to that? Yeah, um, I think what, what what's happening now is there's so many ways to access a person as far as text messages, phone calls. It was the old school way. It would send you, you know, mail or something like that. But you also got emails and Instagram, like all these different ways and venues or where, where you want to say to reach somebody. Mm-hmm. So I think what it is is. A lot of times, especially if it's like in a relationship or something like that, or you're dating, somebody send you a message. It's like we automatically assume like, OK, well, I know you got it because it's, it's it popped up red. <laughs> right. Or or I said, well, I'm going to send it another way. I'll send it to your Facebook messenger. I know you're going to get that because I know that's going to get you like there's so many ways to get to somebody to a point that's to where you kind of kind of you kind of have to find a way to block yourself from all that. And yeah. when you said that, though, like, I feel bad, too, because they might have asked me a question, but they see me post. Yep. You know, yeah, like, I was going to say that. <laughs> oh, you going to say that, Bill? <laughs> yeah, because that, that's happened to me before. Where, and I and I thought it, too, when I text people and they respond. And uh, like, because for me, I give everybody a grace period, of course. But if I'm asking them something, and especially if it's important, they don't respond. Naturally, sometimes when I see the story, I'm like, OK, well, they obviously got it. <laughs> <laughs> But it is the pressure, though, because and it's one of the things that I've had to work on is when someone especially sends you, whether it be through social media or through your phone. And I, I mean, to be honest, I've turned like read receipts off. But <laughs> when when it when it gets to a place to where they see that you've read it, sometimes it is that pressure of, oh, I need to respond yeah. back to this person. Uh, but what I've learned, though, is to allow myself time. To where sometimes it may be, depending on the urgency, back to the urgent, urgency culture, but depending on the, the message, I may say, hey, give me X amount of time frame and I'll get back to you. To, to take the pressure off of myself to feel the need to respond then, back to what you said about impulse. Mm. And instead, I can think it through and, and get back to them within whatever time frame that's it. 
That is, and true. that's the thing. I think you just have to use. I I don't like to be ignored, so use a little common sense. Like you said, depending on what I send you, you can respond. But don't let me ask you something at 8 a.m. and then you wait till 8 p.m. You saw it. <laughs> Especially if you are somebody who lives on social media and you're not working. Like sometimes I'm posting because I'm posting something to do with Hagar's Village or a ministry or something like that. And I'm not even on just to laugh at other people's life. But don't ignore me. So what I tend to do, if I see like you just sending me something to laugh at, I'll get back to you on that. But if it is a question and I can answer it right then, then I'll answer it if I see it. Mm-hmm. And then, it, like Mel said, if I need to wait, I need some time to think about it. I'll just say, well, look, I got your text. Let me get back to you. Give me X amount of time or whatever. Just don't ignore me because then I am going to be mad. That's the part right there is it, the ignoring. But Listen, this <clears throat> I love this because now that I've opened the door and the window, this is going to be discussed a lot more somehow, some way, and we're going we gonna to be chopping it up. Yeah, I'm usually the one that be ignored. Yeah, he's, a, he be, <laughs> he's a certified, yeah. like he knows how to ignore. I need to be like, I don't know how to do that. Phone rings, all right. <laughs> yeah, he just, he just let it go. Like, I don't know. I already know what they want. They always want my help. Yeah, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you already know what they want. Yeah, I already know what they want. But I appreciate y'all responding back on our something interesting. Yeah, we like we said, audience, we always try to find something. So if you got something and you want us to chat about, talk about, please put it in a review or comment on a post. Let us know what you want us to chat about in the beginning. Um, so now we're gonna move on to our questions, questions for the three, the three questions we ask our guests. Go ahead. All right. So first question. Marriage and purpose colliding. What does that mean to you? Do I need to repeat it? Okay. No, you're good. Okay. Yes, I'll answer. So marriage and purpose colliding, um, it's almost to me, it's a, a, a tell of two different stories that have a middle point where they meet. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, and, and that story involves two people uh, probably with separate <laughs> With, with separate desires, separate things going on within themselves. And then in a sense of becoming one in terms of what it means to get married. Mm-hmm. And so you you become one in terms of marriage. But the, the thing that we have to realize is even when we become one in that sense, everything doesn't always align um, mm-hmm. up front. And so to me, the whole marriage and purpose colliding is uh, in a sense of those two those two people who have become one in a sense, it's it's now also working in the oneness with the their purpose of what God has for them. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I like when you said two tails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, Kendrick lyric. <laughs> Do I answer that too? Or you feel like, yeah, if you want to. I mean, Okay, I, I didn't know if we were both supposed to yeah, yeah, answer, yeah. but I agree with everything Mel said. Uh, That's why I believe it's very important. And I like uh, what you're doing, Cree, with singles to make sure that they understand what the purpose, what your purpose is, because a lot of people, and I've run into this with some of the single mothers, mm-hmm. they are more concerned with marrying than actually doing the will of the father. 
And our purpose down here is literally to do that. He never said that, you know, we would be married. I know that we here be fruitful and multiply, but nobody ever said that you were going to get married. I mean, Paul never got married and he was very fruitful. So I think when we talk about joining um, purposes and then we look at marriage, it's very important to know, you know, what your purpose is, because you might be a great person, but what God called you to do and what I'm supposed to be doing, it may not work because one person may be one who I need to be able to be mobile and go and do where your purpose might cause you to sit right here at this amount of time. And sometimes while I might like you or love you, I can't ever get out of purpose yeah. just to marry you. And so Ooh. making sure that we understand yeah. um, what I was put here to do before I even met you, because I have to do that even while I'm married to you. So if I'm going to marry you, we got to be able to still do purpose and maybe even while we're together, I don't know, do something else together as well as our own, you know, separate things. But you can't do that if you don't already know what you're put here to do. Listen, y'all better preach. Both of y'all just preach into (laughs) the crowd. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Keep going. I don't want to, I don't want, I will prolong it and start talking. All right. Well, good. Sorry, I didn't came to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what compelled you to join this conversation on this platform? She oh. said, I need you to do my show. Nah. <laughs> I basically did. I was like, you need to be on. Right. I mean, you did say that. I was like, okay. But like I said, I like uh, what you're doing. I like everything, you know, that you stand for. And so when you asked me to do it, even though I was like, now how this topic supposed to go in? Cause you talking about marriage, but when you look at purpose, because I was so outside of mm-hmm. purpose, yeah. didn't even realize what it was. My relationships were off, and it's probably why I'm not married right now because I was so outside of purpose for so long. I needed to get myself together before I could even think about marriage. So looking at what we're about to talk about uh, today, I felt like once I was able to connect, I was like, yeah, I'll do your show. Okay, cool. Okay. She was going to do it anyway. It wasn't a shoot. Was. <laughs> and, and will. And no. <laughs> does. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's, it was also too, I mean, I, like I said, I even though it's the first time you virtually meet your husband, I feel like I kind of know him because of right. the fact that I've watched so many of your clips. And I just think it's important that we have conversations like these, mm-hmm. uh, transparent conversations, uh, because people can can see things very um, one sided. And so it, it by sharing our stories, by sharing our testimonies, by by coming together and um, you know, on platforms like these, I feel like it's very, very necessary, especially for the generation today, yeah. because you, you have to reach people in different ways. And I was actually talking to someone earlier. I was like, you're not going to go hire a fitness trainer, mm-hmm. um, from someone who's not fit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you're not, you're, you're going, especially if they stomach sticking out further than yours, nothing wrong, you know, <laughs> nothing wrong with that to each his own, but you're gonna be like, okay, no, it's something wrong me. with that. <laughs> no, no, it's something. It's, 
And it, and it's, but I'm it's just starting out. Oh, okay. yeah. Right. But you, you want to see people who have gone through it, people who have a story, people who are very honest about their journey. And so that's why I love platforms like this, because you get to really share that. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you for you. that. Thank you for that. Hey. All right. Next question. What are your thoughts surrounding the current state of singles and dating nowadays? Briefly. Because, you know, you can go all, but briefly. What do y'all think? <laughs> I'll let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the the state of, of singles, let me tell you something. I'm about to just, I'm about to declare myself Paul. I really am. Because I, I just feel like Don't do it. What, what is going on out here? Mm -hmm. Oh, it, it is. I see why people be mad when they be like, look here, you stuck with me forever. You're not about to leave me because I can't get back out here because you just feel like it is nothing mm -hmm. out here. Like, why is everybody still lying? Like, I'm 40. When, when do they stop? stop when do you just start telling the truth? When do you mm -hmm. heal from childhood trauma? Like, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I've been really praying to the Lord, like, Lord, you know what? I'm going to let you handle this too. Because yeah. I can't, I can't mm -hmm. just Get see it. me who you want me to have. I do have a couple of requests, but see me who you want me to have because <laughs> these fellas out here, I don't know. Do I, I don't know what I need to do because mm -hmm. the current state, awful. Awful. Yes. I don't mm. think I've ever got the awful. I got other stuff. I'm sick of it. Trash is, you know, no, trash. We got, yeah, we've heard trash too. So you're right. You're right. Oh, man. Yeah, what you think? What's, what's up? Girl, I'm, I, like it's it's funny because I this is like one of the top questions I get from people is about dating mm -hmm. <laughs> now that you know my my whole life has changed. But girl, I ain't, I ain't even worried about single dating. I ain't worried about none of that stuff. So, <laughs> so you just like I could, yeah. I could, yeah yeah. To me, I'm like looking from the sideline and look mm -hmm. to G's point. It 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 seems like it's not going well for a lot of people. I'll say that. But <laughs> Outside looking in, the birds out. Yeah, yeah. The outside looking in, I'm like, but but single life for me is going great. I mean, yeah, it is honest. Honestly, after and I know everyone listening, you'll get to hear my story here shortly. Mm -hmm. But honestly, after everything I've gone through, it was kind of nice to get to learn me again. Mm. So I've been I've been enjoying this this journey. That's good. But you know, to your point, Mel, like single life is fine. And I'm not searching. It's the ones that have the audacity <laughs> to come this way. And I'm just like, what made you think that you were okay? The audacity, like they I, think I they feel, cool. I feel you there, G. We, we, but you, you chilling, you doing your thing. But you come over here, and then you still. I didn't. I didn't even call you. I didn't even ask you to come. Yes. Um, yes. That's my my thing going on. Get out of here. Right. Right. No, I appreciate y'all for answering those questions. We get different answers every time and i love the the conversation mm -hmm. just talking about like you said mel this needs to be talked about it it should be talked about regardless because it's what's going on um our passions are for folks in relationships and dating and preparing for marriage so it's definitely like something we discuss on a daily basis so i appreciate y'all for oh, yeah. answering the question so let's get into it can we get into it let's get into it so when I first thought of bringing this topic on, I was like, just like G said, how the heck is this fit? Right. <laughs> I didn't want to try to force it. 
to fit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, how does this fit? And um, when we talk about homosexuality and we talk about Christianity and we talk about same sex relationships, let's just be real. It's not talked about a lot. You know, we see um, the greats out there. And when I mean the greats, we see um, uh, sis Jackie Hill Perry doing her thing. And I first she was the first person to open my eyes to a lot after reading her books, after just hearing her teach and preach and um, speak about how she was brought out of homosexuality and what she's doing now. Like it's impactful. Everybody around the world, right. Is following her and in tune with her. But I do think that we need to start reaching out to the people closest to us that we know to share their story. Cause Jackie Hill has one story in one way and you all have other ways and other people have different ways. Right. Um, we hopefully one day we'll have a guy on to talk, but it's just that, this needs to be discussed. It is a, a rise, or I shouldn't say a rising issue, but it is something that in the church is not talked about a lot. When we hear of somebody in the church being a same-sex attraction or same-sex lifestyle or whatever, we don't, we hinder ourselves from it. We don't know how to say, how to say it, how to approach, what to do with ministry. We don't know. And I think when we don't have the conversations, it doesn't allow God to move. You know, we're hindering ourselves from those hard conversations. So today, this is, this is when we're talking about dating, let's be real. Some people are still struggling and battling. And they're trying to figure out how can I date my the opposite sex? I don't know where to go. I don't know even if I can pull myself away from this. How can I really you know, start this thing. I don't know. And people are telling me this. Christians are telling me that. Pastors are saying this. Jackie Hill's telling me this. And I don't know. So this topic is is going to be fruitful. I, I do believe anybody from just educational, just education wise, just being taught and also those who are in it for real, they will get blessed by our discussion today. Mm-hmm. So before we begin, um, not before we are beginning, not before we begin, um, as we move forward, uh, <laughs> um, I think it's best because I was writing the questions. I was trying to figure out how to order it. I think it's best to talk about your story before. So like, did, did you both, this is my question. Did you both grow up in a church? I know the answer in my head. Can we talk to y'all? But for the audience, um, <laughs> did y'all grow up in the church? Like what was lo- childhood like? What was your relationship with God? Like as a as a child in childhood or as a younger, younger you, um, Mel, you can start. So for me, uh, yeah, I feel like I was born in the church, you know, even though I was born at Rex, Rex hospital, I feel like I could have been born on the pulpit cause I was always there. <laughs> so as a child, being a, a child of parents who were in ministry. Mm-hmm. So my mother, she was always a part of youth ministry, dance ministry. My dad was part of the music ministry. Mm-hmm. And so we were there, three, four days out the week. Um, so God was always a part of my life since I was young. Um, it was always taught to me. It was, you know, hey, this is right. This is wrong. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're not supposed to do. And I would say probably when I was younger, the the most that I remember was, of course, my parents did talk to me about my relationship with God and about having a relationship with God. But I think at a young age, especially when you don't have relationships, like how do you really know what a relationship is? I mean, I know you should pray right. and you should read the Bible, but I think to me, um, 
my relationship now, in a sense, is very different than what it was as a child. I didn't, really didn't understand what it meant to have a relationship, but it is something that I um, sought after. Okay. No, thank you. Thank you. G? Yes, I was brought up in the church. Uh, both of my grandfathers were uh, ministers. Um, one, my paternal grandmother, they say she actually wrote his sermons. So I don't know. Really? Like, she could preach. You sit down with her long enough, like, you about to get a whole sermon. Wow. So my father was a minister of music. My mom, she used to put scriptures on the refrigerator and make us say scriptures. She took us to anything church-related. It was Sunday school, Wednesday night Bible class, vacation Bible school, somebody's youth program. Like, we were always um, somewhere. So... I was baptized when I was in second grade. I didn't know what I was doing. It was just a thing. Like, again, we grew up around my uh, paternal grandmother. And so she was real heavy on, you got to get baptized like ASAP. I mean, probably if we could have got baptized at three, like she would have led us because it was something about the minute you felt, she felt like you knew right from wrong, you just need to be in that water. And the earlier, the be better. So I remember it was like a ripple effect with me and my cousins. Everybody was getting baptized. So I'm like, I can't take this cracking juice like y'all doing if I don't get baptized. So I'm on this road with everybody else. I want to take the cracking juice too. So I'm about to get in here. Yeah. And that's, you know, all it was. I, I knew God. Or, you know, what you know of him as a kid. But like Mel said, a relationship, I didn't have that. Like, I knew him. And I knew what I was supposed to know. I knew the typical scriptures that you always hear. I knew all the songs because I was in choirs and stuff like that. But I can't say that I had a relationship mm -hmm. with God. Mm -hmm. No, those are good. Um, I think it's just, it's helpful for the audience to hear, like, your background. You know, like, okay, no, they grew up in the church. Okay, wow. You know, because there's differences in different ways. And so thank y'all for both sharing that. So let's get into it. So as you were growing older and as you were growing up, when did when did you start dating first, period? You know, the opposite sex or whatnot. But when did it switch to like, okay, now I think I want to, you know, I want to try this out. I want to start dating women. Like, what did that look like in each of your cases? Ugh. I'm so tired of these types of text messages, the audacity of it all. I am this close to blocking him and I don't even care. I am so sick of this online dating thing and this whole dating scene in general. I want to be married, but man, I don't even know anymore. I mean, I have my own car. I have my own house. I have my own job. My bills are paid, but... There's so much going on at work right now with these projects. The holidays are coming up and I'm not ready to deal with the drama from my dad's side of the family, making it seem like I was a problem last year. I mean, I love Jesus, but I don't even attend church anymore like I used to. I used to be involved in everything. You know what? <sighs> I need a pause right now. But I saw something on IG the other day, like she was a coach for single women or something like that. And she had a book. It was like before the man, uh, before you get married, uh, before the husband. It's like a devotional or something like you get prepped before, you know, you become a wife and things. Hold on. Let me look at it. Ah, bet. And there's a discount this month, too. Got it. 
Sis, right now, in your single season, you need clarity. You need to get back to you and start living purposefully before you even think about dating. In my latest ebook, Before the Husband, a seven-day devotional for single women pursuing purpose, you will be introduced to seven conversations I had with God and myself before inviting a man into my life. It allowed me to do some work and inner healing before marriage. So this month, there's a special 20% off the ebook. Use code BDAY6 at checkout for 20% off the purchase of the ebook. That's BDAY6 for 20% off. Sis, every season of your life will always point back to purpose. In this season, in your single season, it's now. Let's rediscover you before him. Love you. Um, G, go ahead. Start us off. <laughs> um dating i don't know if you officially call it i had my first boyfriend i was yeah that my i guess my parents actually acknowledged because you know when you're little you'd be like that's my boo but you're in third grade you don't have a boo in third grade (laughs) but i remember i was a freshman dating a senior right Mm -hmm. so i became sexually active for the first time as a freshman Mm -hmm. and so at that point i was I was talking to guys all up and through my teenage years, 20s. It wasn't until 2014 okay. that I actually entered into a relationship with a woman. Um, at the time, I was in a very drama-filled and trauma-filled relationship with my kid's father. And quite naturally so, he was married. And so that relationship had a lot of different things going on with it. And I was sick of it, but it was my life. I had been with him for five years. And so we were just kind of going through the motions. And so when I met her, it was actually, we were just coworkers at the time and it was nothing to it initially. Um, I enjoyed just being around her because she was like a breath of fresh air. She was smart, like super smart, Um, kind, charismatic, um, attentive. And a lot of that was the things that I felt like I was missing. And so when she gave all of those things, in the beginning, I denied it. I mean, you know, I'd never okay. been with a woman. I'd been approached yeah. by women. I went to barber school. So most of the females in there, they were lesbians and they let you know. But I had never been with one. I grew up like, eh, why would I do it? So <laughs> when I realized um, I kind of like her. It was hard to accept that. So I kept saying, like, no, I, I, that's, I don't like her, you know. Right. And then we went out okay. one time. It was a happy hour. I had never been to happy hour. And we went out right before the Friday before Thanksgiving, November 2014. Remember, like it was yesterday. And we shut the restaurant down. Like, they literally told us, you got to go. Mm-hmm. And I knew then, like, you like her. But I didn't want to accept it. And so I ended up calling a friend of mine who had also decided she was going to be with the woman. And she and I had the same background, church, all of that. And I called her and I was like, I don't know what to do. Mm. And she was more like a mentor, too. I wanted to be like her. So I valued her opinion. She was my oldest son's godmother. So I told her what was going on. And she was like, well, friend, all I can tell you is... 
my mom just told me to just love everybody. You know, you, you don't choose who you love. You just love everybody. And whoever is going to rock with you through this, that's who that's who your people are. And anybody who doesn't want to fool with you, then you don't fool with them. Mm. And you just do what's best for you. So that was all I needed. And I went with it and hid it for quite a while. And then eventually, the more she kept saying, like, I'm not hiding and you're not a real lesbian. I was like, well, I don't know what that means because I don't think I am a real lesbian. I think I just like you. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to try to fit into the life and attempted to change like my identity. So I bought everything with rainbows on it. I watched the L word like religiously. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I cut my fingernails because they say lesbians have short nails because I used to have long nails. So I cut them like I was going to all the pride parades, anything gay related. Like I was there because she said I wasn't the real one. And I wanted her to just accept me because I felt like I needed to be that for her to think it was real. It was real for me, but I just wanted her to really desire me and trust me and, you know, all of that. And that's basically how it kicked off. I don't know if that's all you wanted, but. No, I mean, yeah, I'll let Mel go, but um, yeah. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that you hit it. For a while. How long would you say you, you hit before you actually were out in the open? Everybody, friends, family, or did friends and family know? Uh, close friends and family knew. Who knew? Close, close, close friends okay. knew. My mama wasn't crazy. Okay. Like, she's never been crazy about nothing I've done. My daddy, on the other hand, mm-hmm. you literally have to sit it in his lap and be like, here it is. Because mm-hmm. he would see signs. But I'd be like, no, that's just my friend. Like, you know, because we were always together, like always together. And so my friends knew, uh, my siblings knew, but I wouldn't like post hardly anything on Facebook. Um, I would only wear my pride stuff in the LGBT community. I would take it off when, you know, I wouldn't say anything at work, just like all that type of stuff. So probably for most of the first year and after the first year, I was like, "Mm, let me do what I want to do. Okay. That, that had to be an interesting, like dynamic to switch on and switch off for that short period of time that you did to like, I don't want to see, Oh no, but I want to show it. No, but I want to be accepted by her. You know, but no, I don't want to like that had to be conflicting moment as far as acceptance, you know, as feeling accepted a part of another community. Right. Because we all got different communities, got church community, black community, you know, (laughs) LGBT community and all these communities. And now you have like your split in between all of those and you feel like you have to kind of conform to each. And so, okay, no, thank you for sharing. Thank you. You had anything? Sorry. Oh, no, I want to hear more. Okay, (laughs) cool. Yeah, he got, right. his, he got his popcorn ready. He like, right. <laughs> Let me go ahead and bang it out. Uh, Mel, go ahead. I, hopefully, you remember the question. <laughs> yeah, I, I ain't gonna lie. I was reaching for the question in my brain. I'm like, okay, I think I remember it. But no, you you basically ask about dating, and then at what point did you start dating women? Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. So for me, when I was, so believe it or not, I've never actually had an official boyfriend. It's, it's so crazy. Okay. Like when I, well, besides when I was younger. So when I was younger, I had boyfriends, you know, little crushes and stuff like that. Um, but I never actually had a, I had like, even in high school, I had guys I really, really liked because 
I was always a tomboy or, you know, from the time I was young and so I was a tomboy. So I, even though guys liked me and stuff like that, it was always the guys I didn't want really. Right. Until probably about later in high school, it, then it was the guys like, oh, he's cute. Right. Um, but so for me, it was kind of, I was always like the friend place because I played sports too, you know, play basketball, play softball, that other stuff. And so I was kind of like a friend. So for me, I never actually went to a space with a guy like like that in, in high school. I can say now when I got to college, I went on dates with guys and stuff like that, but um, never in a relationship. Okay. So about late high school, so 03, 04, um, I had been approached by a female. And so the female actually played on my basketball team. And she approached me and it was kind of, it seemed kind of innocent at first. Mm -hmm. And she was like, um, oh, if I was a dude, like we just make references. Oh, if I was a guy, I would do this or I would do that. And so at first I just kind of ignored it because I was like, okay, she's just talking crazy. like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then over time, I think because of the attention and so forth, it started to pique my interest while I was like, what you talking about? Like, oh, okay. And around this time, so to paint the picture, 0304, there were not many people that were out about being gay. Like it was, I knew one person in all of Raleigh. Wow. I would say maybe two. That it was not talked about. It was not in the news and media, not like it is today. And so, um, and then also like for me, because of my background and also I grew up in a house. My mom, um, speaking in tongues, you sleep getting crosses on you with the, with the olive oil on your forehead and your eyes. Like that, that was that, like speaking in tongues. So that was my childhood. And, and so I had a very good understanding about even the spiritual world mm. and about sin. I, I always had a very good understanding about it. So I, even though I was approached by, I knew what it was, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, spiritually. But I didn't care. So mm-hmm. after she kind of, you know, made gestures and stuff like that, eventually I just decided I was like, okay, let's let's go with it. I, I honestly don't even remember how that process was because it was so long ago. Right, right. But I do remember it it building to where it was like hanging out some, and we would travel together because we were like, you know, on AAU sports together, and then. um like, gee, I remember during that time for like my parents, I wasn't open with them about it. Um, they kind of sensed something, okay, but they didn't embrace it with love by any means. They were wow. just like, yeah, oh yeah, they were, yeah. My mom, like, she came, she came around eventually, but at first she was like, would not even let me go places if she knew somebody gay was going to be there because of what she suspected. It was that really? one. Oh yeah. Look, I had to remind her about this a few weeks ago. <laughs> I'm like, no, mom. Um, but because she changed, the, because of what the Lord said to her later, she ended up changing her approach. But anywho, so um, so I hid it. I hid it for a while, but I did. And it's interesting, G. You actually said how you went to your to someone who was also in the same lifestyle, and you said was a mentor. Because the first person I told was my best friend. And in telling her, I found out that she was around the same time getting to the same thing. Really? Yeah. So it was like the, the, and 
Because I figured, too, when I told her, I was like, she loves me. She'll accept me for whatever. Mm -hmm. But she was the first person I told. And so it was a secret between us for a very, very long time. Um, I so I and then kind of like G as well. I was only at the time I was only attracted to her. It was not a general attraction to women. It was literally just her. And um, I would say probably about so I gave that relationship a shot. Went to college. We were dating. I think we were dating when I first got to college. I don't remember. But yeah, yeah. And then shortly after, when that relationship ended, it was another person who came along where I was like, another another female who came along. And I was like, ah. And they they pursued me. Okay. uh, Just just like the first relationship. And so I was like, oh, okay, this seems interesting. And I went down that path again. Mm -hmm. And so I would say probably after that relationship, I started, my eyes started to open like, oh, there's a whole nother world out here. And at that point is kind of when I started to, and and mind you too, during college, like I said, I would go on dates with guys. I like guys. I considered myself at the time to be bisexual Mm -hmm. in college. But then there was a, some period, I don't know when it happened, but late college, it just shifted Mm -hmm. to where I would be like, oh, no, I don't want to be with a guy. I want to be with a woman. And so I just, God kind of just took a, just got swept to the left altogether. And then I started dating women um, exclusively from then on. But like I said, it was a secret for a very, very long time. Um, until probably late college is when I actually came out to my my mom in a weird way. It was a weird way that I, it wasn't like a official coming out. It was like asking her a question. Oh, really? To see what she thought about it? Yeah. Well, not even in that sense. So I guess, I, I don't know if we want to go through this now or in a moment, but for me also too, it was, uh, it was layered because first I started dating women, but then I started dressing more masculine. Oh, I see. Okay. And so it was like, it was almost like a coming out twice gotcha. in, in itself. And so that was, so my question to my mom was actually in reference to how I dress mm. versus actually the fact that I was dating women. I, I feel, and I feel like that is common, you know, when you see a lot of the, you know, the teens out there or even young adults and parents and they're, they're looking at their children. And I know my mom at one point, she did ask me. You know, she was joking, but she was being serious. Like, are you, are you, I'm like, mom, like, I'm just, I'm not dating nobody. And and let me dress the way I want to dress. Like, you know, kind of deal. But it seems like that's the go-to because of the stereotypical deal that people see. They automatically go there and think that, but that's a good point as far as what you brought up. My question though also is, um, hold on for you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Go ahead, G. It's funny how you said about um, you labeling yourself as bisexual at first. Mm. And see, I did a shift of, I just felt like, well, if I like women, I must be a lesbian. Like, I got to be that. And so I went from that to, no, I'm bisexual because... I still see this fellow over here and I'll knock him down and you. So it was like, I didn't know which way to go with it, but I had to accept like, I love you, Mm -hmm. but 
I don't have that. Well, now I don't want to be with guys ever again. And so it was funny how she felt the way when I said, no, I think I'm bisexual. And when I say mad, yeah, how could you be that? Why would so you can't make your mind up? Like it was <laughs> yeah. like for real, mad. But I thought that was um interesting. But I didn't switch my clothing. I've never been like a Mm-hmm. super girly mm-hmm. girly like I don't like putting on all those dresses my thighs and stuff gets rubbing together so <laughs> I will put on jeans and a t-shirt and some tennis shoes and make that as feminine as possible but she was um what you would call like a soft stud mm. so yeah I, I didn't have to change my clothes gotcha well let me let me add so it's interesting because I I call myself bisexual first, even though it, it I guess by definition I, I was at the time, but it was, it was mainly because I felt that that would be somewhat accepted mm-hmm. to where if, if I went all the way that way, it would be like, okay, she's a lesbian. So to me, it was like easing into it, even though I, cause I think I actually, me and my sister really got into it. We bumped heads like really? about it. I remember I was driving and everything. It was on our way to um, take her to school, whatever. And I told her, I was like, I'm bisexual. Like, I ended up just telling her I was bisexual. And, but for me, that was a relief in a sense because it's like, okay, but I'm still on your side, but I'm also on this, this other side. And, and then it's it's crazy how I started to at the time because when I was like I said when I grew up I was a tomboy so when we were in high school a we always had on sweatpants or um, I would usually wear like tight jeans and a white tee you know white tees was in back then mm-hmm. with, I would wear like a nice fitted and that was my style and then I remember one day my friends dared me to dress like a dude to go to the club wow so I was like all right like that's nothing and so we me and my son, my sister, actually, it's, it's hilarious because my sister's very, very straight, but she used to be on these journeys with me. And so <laughs> I remember me and her, we would put on my brother's clothes at the time. This one, Tall Tees and uh-huh. um, um, Jaboy. What was it called? Whatever. Jabos. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so out of it. But yeah, those <laughs> were in style. And so I was like dressing up and I went to the club. Even though I went to the, the gay club. I was going to the gay club then. Okay. But the attention that I got from it was like, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, Like, so then for a while, I literally would wear semi-feminine clothes, like more feminine clothes at home. Mm. And then I would wear guy clothes at school. So I was like living a double life. I would change before I would go home. And then I just remember one day, I was like, let me just see what my dad going to say. So I didn't change. I just walked in the house. And honestly, I don't even remember if he noticed or not, but that was how that that transition happened. Man, it's so much within the transition, like from the clothing yeah. to the mental, like to even, like you said, male to easing. Like you feel like if you said you were bisexual, like that would be more welcoming, you know, and, and then just straight out just saying gay. Like I didn't think about, because now that I hear it, it's, it is like when you say, when you hear bisexual, you're like, oh, okay. You know, like it just for some reason it's like okay in a way because oh yeah you still date men too so ooh like but mm-hmm. back in the day I do remember you know have my friends or people that are close to like okay girl come on you know kind of deal. Um, one of my questions are like since you all 
you know, you both grew up in the church and, you know, you knew, you know, the word you knew, you knew, you knew, basically, was there any conviction there while dating or while you were out there? Like, what did, did God talk to you in any way? Like, do you feel like, like what was spiritually, how did that affect you? Uh, for me, it was it was tough, but I think because I had already kind of walked away from church okay. due to the relationship that I had with my kid's father, mm-hmm. that alone really pushed me away okay. from church and how I was treated. You know, I I don't. Um, not admit that I was wrong, but even when somebody is in sin, there's still a way to treat them. And so because of how I was treated, I was done with church for a hot minute. And so I would go out of habit, but I would just go, there's this little church in town and I would go just to say that I went. And then eventually I stopped doing that all together because I just felt like this is a waste of my time and I really don't want to be here and I'm not doing God any favors by showing up. So let me just not show up. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of searched around for a while for somewhere to go, but I never really uh, felt like I found home while sitting in church. If I heard anything that they got up and said about homosexuality or anything like that. I immediately tuned it out because I didn't want to hear it. Mm. But a lot of places now, they run from condemning people and rebuking people. So it was rare Mm -hmm. that I heard it. But just sitting there in church sometimes, Mm. I could tell God was trying to tap me on my shoulder, but I'd be like, I don't know that now. (laughs) So it was... (laughs) No, no. So a, a lot of times I, I didn't even go, but I felt like as long as I keep listening to my church music, I'm good. Mm, so wow. that that was me. Wow. Okay. No, that's, that's a, that, that's one of my questions that I was like, okay, how is it? Like, how was the battle? What was the battle looking like? Go ahead, Mel. Yeah. I was going to say, so like, gee, when I, because, I'll tell you when I got free from my parents' household, I was like, I am free. <laughs> And I think at that time when I was forced to be in church so much after I left out of their household, I just stopped going altogether. Okay. Uh, so about college, I did not go to church at all. Um, I, when I would go home to visit now, sometimes, you know, my mom, I think at first she would take me to church with her, like, like we're going to church, mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, but actually my mom, that might have been before because my mom actually moved to Virginia. But, yeah, it was it was just re- during that period of time. Like if I went home, I might go. But while I was in school, when I was on my own, making my own decisions, I, I didn't go. And I didn't go to church for over 10 years, I want to say, I, or I was probably a little less than 10 years. But it was a long time that I didn't go at all. So after during that period, because I was brought up in the church and faith has always been the foundation of who I am. I still would pray and like seek God in some ways. I wasn't like listening to sermons and stuff because because I understood what was going on spiritually. I didn't want any interference 
just uh, just be real. I didn't want any interference with it, so I was like, I don't want to be guilty about nothing. So I avoided all things church and all things God God's people if I could. Now I will say, oddly enough, every especially around like 2014, 2015, 2016, every year my New Year's resolution was to grow closer to God. And so wow. it, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I, I say that knowing um, the lifestyle I was living, knowing that it was wrong, knowing it went, went against God's word, but I still had that. God has still put that desire in me to seek him. And so for me, one of the, there were two really big pivotal moments, but I'll share the first one just for this question is when I went to church I think it was like it was either 2015 or 2016 mm-hmm. and rededicated my life back to Christ. Cause I went on Easter Sunday. Oh yeah. That was like, that was the one day that you could get me to go during that time frame was Easter Sunday. Or my dad sometimes for father's day would be like, make me happy and come to church. Mm-hmm. And so um, Easter Sunday, I went to church. I actually really, really like that church. It's here in Raleigh, but I went to church and gave my life back to the Lord. And I was like, you know, like on cloud nine, like, ah, it's so beautiful here. <laughs> and so the Lord spoke to me. And then when he spoke to me, I was like, goodbye. So um, the, the sermon that day was about how to discern God's voice. Woo. And what's so interesting is I actually wrote a snippet where it talked about when you're doing things that goes against the Holy Spirit, you don't have peace. I actually still have that on a piece of paper upstairs. Wow. Which which came full circle like years later, I found that piece of paper and I read it and I was like, ooh. Mm. But um yeah, and so right when I left the service on my cloud nine and you know, skipping on the rainbows, the Lord said, You need to leave the relationship you're in. Mm. And when I heard it, it was like clear as day, like I, I couldn't even question it. And I went home, me at the time, me and the person I was dating, we were living together. I went home and I told her and her being someone who wasn't didn't have the same background as me, uh, but she was always very supportive and whatever. She didn't know how to take it because I was in tears. Mm. Like I was just like, I don't want to do it. The Lord says I need to do this. And she's like, look, so what are you going to do? I was like, nothing. I want to be with you. And so after that point, I was like, I don't want to hear nothing else you got to say. So I just kind of drowned it out um, until, you know, years later. Mm. So, you you know, Mel, that's funny that you say you would go to church with your dad because that's when I would go. Because my parents, they were two separate locations. Like when I tell you the uh, birth of the twins like blew up the spot so my mom was like I'm not going back to that church my daddy stayed at that church so I would go with my mom on Mother's Day I would go with my dad on um, Father's Day and if there was some other you know special occasion um, oddly enough I would attend um, this event called the Texas Women's Empowerment Conference and it was um, religious based and I remember sitting in those sessions I'm like oh my god here they go and one year they had a woman who got up and talked about you know coming out of the life wow why are we talking <laughs> about this and I it would be times I just did not want to be there because I don't want to hear it but what's crazy 
I felt like I was okay though, because she appeared to have a relationship with God too. Like she prayed and, you know, she would talk about reading her Bible. She was doing devotionals. She seemingly had a bigger relationship than I did. And I'm like, this is new because I just thought all homosexual people, you know, they didn't believe in God and they didn't read the Bible. They didn't do they didn't go to church, like all of that. And so a part of me felt like mm, somebody lying here because how does she have this relationship? Mm. But the way that they talked about homosexuality growing up, it's like they don't know God. They don't have a relationship. They don't pray. They're evil people. They're mm-hmm. sick people. Like that's what you hear. So to meet her and she comes from, you know, a family that believes in God and they go to church and she was, she was passing out communion at her church. Like she was very involved. So mm-hmm. the confusion that, you know, the devil put me under, it was like, mm, maybe somebody been lying. Like maybe it's not as bad as you think it is. So I actually was trying to find in the scripture, like the loophole Mm -hmm. so that I could continue to live in sin because this can't be as bad as y'all making it. Mm. Can I I add something there? You know, what's interesting though, like, and I'm going to say this because there's different layers to it, Mm -hmm. but I mean like walking in purpose, being all in for God. I, I tried to make the two marry. But what I realized, I realized very quickly that they don't. Mm. That's deep in itself. Like, what did, what did even, I know we're getting deeper too, but what did that look like? Because I feel like that's what's happening now. I feel like there's a lot of making the two marry each other and, and we feel like, you know, it's okay. I'm good. Like, what does that look like when you're, when you're having, when you're having to do that? And we'll get into the pivot points of when everything, when everything changed for y'all, like when the transformation came. But when you talk, talk more about that part. So for me, I think a lot of times, and and I saw this in myself, uh, you essentially pick and choose what pieces of the Bible you want to believe and what you want to follow. Mm. Because I would, I would pick out the things that were uh, like, you know, no weapon formed against me can prosper and, and all of those inspirational things. But I didn't want to do the hard work. Mm. So if anything required work or required me to walk away from self and, and what I had going on with me. It was more so, uh, nah, I'm not doing that. It was more so this is my way. And so essentially I had or I would say the enemy had convinced me at certain parts but like I said I was very spiritually aware mm-hmm. that if you pray you know you believe in your heart mm-hmm. that's all you got to do and and you're going to heaven when it's so much more and so much deeper than that that's the start yeah of it but through mm-hmm. sanctification through uh, allowing the holy spirit to be your lead and your guide who leads you into all truth through that process it is impossible for you to be the same. Mm. And, and it's also not about you and what you desire and what you want. It's about what God desires and what he wants for your life. Yes. Come on. No, I appreciate that. That I think that needs to be said more than anything um, during this day and age. And people don't realize it. Like what, what matters to God more? And that's the heartbreaking part 
And it's not any, that's in anything. We compartmentalize so much in our lives. Like we do this over here, we hide it. We say, God, I can still do this and do that. Like with everything that we do, right? But what does God desire for you? And yes, that thing might be heartbreaking for you to break loose from. It's supposed to be, you know, this is why we need God to help heal us in every single area of our life. But I think yeah. that's the part that people don't want to let go of. I don't want to hurt and pain. That's pain and hurt. I got to let go of that? Like, no, like, you know, I want to take this along with me, you know? Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Do you have anything to add to that or did you want to? Yeah, I think uh, just tying it in with what Mel was saying, mm-hmm. um, I don't think we truly understand. I know I didn't. I grew up Church of Christ, right? And so in that particular denomination, they believe that they were the only ones going to heaven. Mm. So in the back of my mind, I operated out of, well, I'm in the church of Christ and I already been baptized. So technically Mm. I'm good. And all I got to do is just like repent Mm. and I'm good. So get up there, say, I'm sorry for this and I'm good. But I never understood that all of the things that, like you said, you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Or when we say all things are together for the good of them, you know, Mm -hmm. when we say those things, that only works if you have solely surrendered your life to God. Mm. So if you have not done that and you have made him the Lord Mm -hmm. of your life, then you can say those scriptures all day mm-hmm. and none of it applies to you because <laughs> wow. you have to surrender. Um, nothing that you want matters. Your life is God's. Whatever he wants for you is what you're going to do. So you have to consistently deny self. So in this instance, I, I got to let her go. I got to let this marry me go. Like, it's, I got to stop having sex, God. Like, it's so much that you have to deny those fleshly desires and cling to him. And so that power that we get from the spirit is how you're able to no longer do all of the sinful things that you want to do. Or even if you're tempted, you're not going to fall into temptation because I have the power to not do so through Christ. But if I don't surrender, then I can say all of those scriptures. Mm. I can be, you know, baptized, but I'm not going to get in just because I'm baptized. Like it is a true changing of the heart. And so I really did not understand that. And I think I understand when people say, well, no sin is, but you're right. You you are absolutely right. But the fact that it is sin, it separates you. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to compile that sin because not only am I choosing to live that life, I was also uh, choosing to lie. Mm-hmm. I was also choosing um, to neglect my children. Mm-hmm. And while drinking yeah. is not a sin, mm-hmm. I was committing a crime by being drunk and driving. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, getting high 
not a sin. You don't need to do it. I mean, you can't do nothing for God high. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to be high and drunk and drive, mm-hmm. now I'm a criminal. So all of those things, I had so many layers mm-hmm. to this sinful life that, I mean, it, it, it was bad. Yeah. But I was nowhere near, you know, close to God. I did not understand what he desired of me. I did not understand what being a believer really meant. It's more than just playing my church music, going to church on, you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day. It was so much bigger than that. And so running from um, God, it just kept me further out there. And it was just a smoke screen Mm. that we could pray together. That prayer ain't going nowhere. Never went going nowhere, but just her hitting me with these scriptures and we praying together. We might go to church together or something like that. It it was all for nothing because mm. neither one of us had surrendered our lives to God. Wow. All for nothing because neither one of us surrendered our lives to God. That's yeah. whoo, that's deep right there. That's deep right yeah. there. Go ahead. Something. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think one of the things that as believers in the church that we need to do is is stop focusing on the sin Mm. um sin and i'm I'm not even just talking about homosexuality i'm talking about sin period sin overall uh because christ died for our sins you know sin is something that has already been taken care of there's been a price that's paid a sacrifice was made Mm -hmm. and so the sin as, as as the lord talks about you know even from the sins we commit being blotted from his memory. But it's important though, that we understand that um, it's important that we repent Mm -hmm. and repentance is changing your mind concerning sin. And so that's the key is how you're living your life. Because if you're still walking in, you're living a life in sin means you're being led by the soul Mm -hmm. because we know the fruit of the soul. That's part of the fruits of the soul versus be led by spirit, which is what, what, um, you know, God has instructed us to do. And so we have to understand that difference. But then also the the part that brings us into repentance is God's goodness. Mm-hmm. And so God's goodness is what leads us to repentance. It's what led me to repentance, to change my mind concerning the sin. And of course, it's a process. But I would say just for those who are listening, as we're having this discussion even now, it's important if you're someone that's listening to this and even um, for one, I would say open your mind and open your heart about it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you're struggling to to say, you know what, God, show me, mm-hmm. help me change my heart, because because ultimately we want to live um, the life that God has for us. That's good. That's good. Ultimately, that's what we want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Point blank. That's it. Thank you for sharing that. Both of you. Thank you for like diving deep into that. Those we need to hear that. Everybody need to hear that all from from growing up in the church, from what the church believes, from what we're going through, when we feel how people feel when they enter the church, period, point blank in regards to sin. It's a bigger issue. Right. It's a bigger topic. Um, But thank you for uh, making that known. So now let's kind of talk about that pivot moment. Like what was the moment that you said, like you were talking about surrendering fully to God? When did that choice happen to where you're like, you know what, this, we can't do this no more. I can't do this no more. Getting good, right? Well, join us next week as we finish our conversation with Angelina and Melinda for part two of Coming Out Again. See y'all next time.
Thank you for tuning into When Marriage and Purpose Collide podcast. Click on the link in the description to learn a little more about us. Subscribe and send a review on your takeaways or any new insight you have gained in this episode. See you back here for our next episode. Peace.